I ended up being diagnosed bulimic. So that's a binge purge cycle. So you would eat a lot of food. I would like night eat because I would restrict so heavily during the day. I would have these binges when everybody went to sleep, you know, and then I would over over exercise to purge or sometimes I would vomit to purge. Um, so yeah, my mental health was abysmal. You are listening to Plant Strength Radio. Each week, remarkable stories of plant-based healing, mindfulness, fitness, nutrition, and activism, as told by those with the expressed desire to affect lasting change in our world. Real people, real experiences. Your host, Bobby Lynch. What's up, guys, and welcome to Plant Strength Radio. I'm your host, Bobby Lynch, and on today's show, we have psychotherapist and mental health counselor, Stephanie House. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to to chat with you today. I'm excited to chat with you too, but before we get into things, we're going to have a little on-the-spot icebreaker segment to warm us up. Are you ready to go? Oh, let's go. Let's do it. Okay, cool. So tell us, what is giving you strength this year in 2021? So in other words, what is currently motivating you to keep going? Oh man, I mean, the, the best answer I can give you is like the good things coming because I, I've got so many good things happening, you know, in the future. That's what's really keeping me going. Totally agree with you on that. It's all about the momentum and the trajectory and sure. knowing that yeah. there's bright light at the end of the tunnel ahead. Yeah, we need that, I think, right now, collectively. <laughs> totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with you. So let's go ahead and get into things. You have a really compelling story about your struggles with an eating disorder, an eating disorder and body dysmorphia. So tell us, where does it begin? Oh, man. So I started probably, I think, 11 years ago, um, I started a weight loss journey and it was just supposed to be a weight loss journey. I was just I was post pregnancy with my first daughter and I wanted to lose the extra weight. I put on a lot of extra weight in that pregnancy. I was really young and I knew nothing about like nutrition and movement. Um, so I just wanted to lose some weight. Um, I ended up losing like, I think it was 110 pounds. Um, yeah, it was pretty dramatic. And the problem there though, is that it was like too much weight. Cause once I had gotten momentum going on weight loss, you know, I was seeing really good results. I was learning a lot. Um, but I had taken it way too far. Um, so then coming back out of that, there was a point where I had realized this is not healthy either. This is not healthy in an opposite direction. Uh, how do I fix that? What do I do? So, you know, I went through these, these trying to put on weight phases and, you know, it turned into a really bad situation for my, my self image because, you know, you're supposed to be losing weight and then I'm trying to gain weight and then I'm gaining weight and I'm freaking out. So I mean, it was, it was a really hard period of time to kind of get a balance about what a healthy weight is, what a healthy and sustainable lifestyle is. Um, and being okay with the way that I look, because at that point I didn't even know what I looked like. I was just so many different shapes and sizes. Um, I had gone through so many changes. It was really, it was all really confusing. So what, what methods did you take to lose all of that weight? Because you said it was a lot of weight really fast. Mm -hmm. So it makes me assume that it was, you took really restrictive methods. Is that true? Yeah. 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 I lost, I lost it in just a little bit over a year, 110 pounds. 
Oh, wow. That's crazy. It was a lot of weight. And I was, I was working out. I started with like really gentle workouts and like easy swaps in my kitchen, like ketchup to mustard or like, you know, silly things like that. And over time, as I built that momentum and I started seeing like results easily, I was like, okay, what else can I do? So I started working out harder and like reading all of these diets. I mean, I tried all of the diets, all of the workouts. I mean, I did everything to the point where I, at one point was training for marathons. Like I went from being totally confused about exercise. I was training for marathons, running miles and, and I did everything. It was just, and then I was working out twice a day. Um, so yeah, a lot of restriction with eating and a lot of exercise. And so you said that started about 11 years ago Yeah. after the, you know, after your, the pregnancy of your first daughter. So did you ever have a relapse where you gained a lot of weight back? No, I didn't because I had really, I really made sure to hold fast to my workout uh, routine. Like I started doing home workouts. I did gym workouts. I would run outside. I mean, whatever I could do that was movement. I did it. And I did it all the time. So obsessively. Of, right. So kind of yeah. describe to us what your eating disorder was like, because you lost all that weight. So that did you just start fearing like, oh, if I don't continue doing all of these extreme practices, working out as hard, I'm going to gain it all back. Oh yeah. It was panic. It was straight up panic all of the time. Every time I had to eat in, in a public situation, I panicked because I had to order something off the menu that was normal. Right. Like I didn't want to look like a freak. <laughs> so, you know, and at home I would restrict, I tried every d- elimination diet. You know, I did the carbs, the fat, the fat free, the, I, I went vegan very briefly in that time period as a method of elimination and failed obviously, you know, so, you know, I just didn't, I remember at one point I was eating like deli meat thing on like lettuce. And that was like my meal for the day. It was so restrictive. Yeah. I remember what that was like. I went through that little period myself. I remember being in college and literally cutting for the first time. I would sit and just eat deli meat. That's Mm -hmm. it. As it's disgusting to think about it. It is, now isn't that I'm it? Vegan too. It was, yeah. It's always it was all about the protein. Got to get the protein all, in. Yep. Yeah. And I would cut does. so many carbs, but not even like realizing it's calories in versus calories burned, but also not realizing that it is actually just that, and it's not one particular macronutrient. Oh, for sure. And there's definitely a fear that surrounds like when you when you're on that diet because I did consider doing a, a bodybuilding show at, the, at one of those intervals too because like I said I was doing everything um fitness related and I did the whole you know like boiled chicken and brown rice diet for a couple of weeks and it was just like it's so cringy to think about right I I totally agree with you on that it's just <laughs> I don't even want to think about it honestly yeah, exactly. but what was your what was your mental health like during that time because you said you kind of struggled and you were feeling fearful just going out and enjoying yourself socially when yeah. it comes to food yeah I mean I was addicted to diet pills too for a while so that was another thing you know I would kind of take them in secret um I I was and I ended up being diagnosed bulimic so that's a binge purge cycle so you would eat a lot of food I would like night eat because I would restrict so heavily during the day. I would have these binges when everybody went to sleep. Um, 
you know, and then I would over over exercise to purge or sometimes I would vomit to purge. Um, so yeah, my mental health was abysmal. Like I, I did not buy clothes that fit me. I always, I still even sometimes buy clothes a little bit too big. Um, you just, it was just a lot of self-hate, self-talk in the mirror. There's always something I needed to change about myself. Um, so yeah, I was really hard on myself uh, and it was a hard period of my life. Yeah, I remember, yeah. I remember what that was like going through it myself after doing a couple of physique competitions. It was partly due to the diet. And then I had some other personal things going on in my life, which led to emotional eating as well. And it's just a very, very negative cycle to, to go down. And how long did that last? Oh, so many years, actually. Like there was a really hard period because um, I had other personal things going on in my life as well. Um, and that was probably the hardest period. It lasted like three years um, after I had lost all of the weight. So after I lost all of that weight, three years from that point, and um, it was a really slow, a slow climb uh, coming out of even that, that point. Uh, but I was really hard on myself for three years. How did that affect your personal relationships during that time? Um, I mean, my personal relationships were kind of a struggle at that time anyway. Um, but yeah, I was so obsessive about making it to the gym and making it, you know, certain meals. I would have to make two dinners, you know, one for me and one for, you know, the rest of my family. Uh, yeah, I would sit and cry in my closet because of the way that my clothes fit me. I mean, it was just, it was probably really hard to watch as, as, as much as it was to go through. So what ultimately led you out of this negative cycle to where you are today? You know, and there was, there's always like a turning point moment, but I really can't recall it. It's like I spent so much time just looking in the mirror and being like, I wish you were different. I feel like there was just one day where I was like, this sucks. I was like, this has to be enough of this. And I don't remember what day it was or what triggered it or anything like that. Um, but I was like, I really got to start doing better for myself to be an example because I, you know, this was after, this is all after my pregnancy. So my daughter at this time was like four, maybe. Um, I was like, I got to do better. I got to be a better example. I'm not modeling well, you know, I'm not modeling life well. So I have to, you know, try harder to, and I did, I tried changing my diet. Um, and I, I got better slowly. And so when did you, when did you ultimately go vegan? Because you said you tried going vegan once, but it was more so just focused on the diet. When did you ultimately go vegan and make that deeper connection to what it actually means to be vegan? And how did that affect your relationship with food and, and your eating disorder, body dysmorphia, et cetera? Yeah. And that was one of the better things I got about, like one of the perks I got about being vegan was that, that reassociation with what I was eating. So I had gone through a lot of therapy before that, um, just to try to like rebalance my relationship with food. And I, you know, I still struggled. Um, like I said, it was kind of a slow climb, but, uh, there was, I think it was almost six years ago. I went vegan kind of in the midst of all of this. And I went vegan because at the time I was pregnant with my second child, um, kind of newly pregnant. Uh, we were just kind of starting to talk about things like breastfeeding, you know, like in the early stages, like, what do you want to do? Um, so I had had that conversation with my doctor about breastfeeding and I had gone home that day and I had gotten somehow, I was already vegetarian. Um, so that, that I don't remember maybe a year before that I started vegetarianism. 
Um, but I had gotten home from that doctor's appointment and somehow I got stuck down this rabbit hole of vegan speakers, <laughs> um, like YouTube videos or whatever, because I had caught one about the dairy industry and about how there's just the the awful the impregnating the cows and taking the baby calves and you know using that milk and I realized kind of then that I'm so disassociated with what I'm consuming that like I didn't even realize that that was happening and on another level I con I connected it because I had just had the conversation about breastfeeding with my doctor and I was pregnant and I was like, oh my gosh, what would it be like to be a dairy cow to have my child taken from me and used for my milk? And that was kind of a, an aha moment for me. And honestly, like, I, I think it was one in the morning when my husband at the time came in and he was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, <laughs> watching YouTube, like, oh my gosh, do you know about dairy? But I went vegan at, at that point and didn't look back. Wow. That's amazing. And that's one of the things that I always talk about during my activism while advocating on the streets and, and talking about the, the dairy industry with people, especially when I speak to women, because just thinking, thinking from a women's rights perspective, I mean, everyone should be on board with equal women's rights, but especially if you're a woman, a woman thinking about what it would be like to be a mother and have your child taken away. I couldn't even imagine what it would be like being a father and having my child taken away from me. And I'm not even the one who gave birth to that child. So then it's just like, wow, I can only imagine what it would be like to be in that mother's position. And then to just have your sexual organs just constantly exploited over and over and over again. It's just, it's absolutely grotesque to think about what happens to these innocent mothers and their babies, just because people like the taste of their secretions. Secretions that were not meant for us were meant for their babies and that we don't need. And I don't even like thinking about it now, just like I, it just grosses me out thinking that people like the taste. Oh yeah. I totally agree with you. And like, even the word secretion, I'm just kind of like, Ooh, <laughs> like, right? why do you like, no, exactly. But, yeah. but yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that was what it was. That's what did it. And it's like the dissonance we have for what we're consuming. Like, I didn't even know that that was happening. You know, I was just like, oh, cow milk. Okay. You know, cause right. that's what we've known, but there's so much more, so much more awful behind it. Yeah. It's, it's such a, it's such an evil industry and the dairy industry and the egg industries are even more evil than the meat industry because the animals are exploited their entire life and then killed in the meat industry. They're just raised and killed. Yeah. So, I mean, both are, equally as bad. But then of course you have the extra layer to that of that exploitation their entire life before they end up dying. And that's something people don't even realize is they think dairy cows and egg hens live great lives and they're good. They don't actually, it's actually hell on earth. for. Oh all yeah. That. Yeah, for sure. How did, so how did making that connection to the animals, to being mother and just really what you were consuming, how did that positively affect your eating disorder and body dysmorphia and really fully lead you out of that to the solid place that you're in, that you're at today. That was really the turning point for, for my eating disorder. Cause like I had been through therapy and I had been helping myself and doing my best and I did the whole vegetarian thing and that felt great. Um, but that connecting piece gave 
my eating a, like a deeper purpose. It's like, I'm not eating for me. Like I'm eating, like I'm thinking about how I can eat to be better for more reasons than just my physical appearance. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, how do I not subscribe to all of these awful industries? So I started kind of being picky and choosy about my food in a different way, <laughs> but like, I think a way that benefited both me, you know, and obviously the common good. <laughs> Totally, totally. That's that's so cool to hear that you finally came out of that. And now you're a psychotherapist and mental health counselor. How did yeah. that come about? And tell us about the work that you do today. So I have always been really interested with mental health. I've had, you know, people throughout my life struggle with mental health issues all the way to my childhood. I remember um, I've always kind of been really curious about it. And I've been pursuing a degree in mental health for a long time. Um, it was really slow going because, you know, life stuff. But um, yeah, I, uh, I am transitioning to a new clinic, actually. And I'm going to be working with uh, primarily domestic abuse victims, um, court ordered cases. Uh, I'm going to be hosting like uh, anger management classes and parenting classes, um, trauma, trauma victims. So that kind of work, it's really heavy stuff. Wow. And so what, what is it like though, being a, a mental health counselor? What, what is it like working day to day with your patients? You hear a lot of stories. You hear a lot of things that kind of give you nightmares. Um, you have to have a really good base to ground yourself, really good self-care methods. Uh, because it's hard to hear. I mean, people don't come to therapy when they're happy they come when they're really at their worst and um man there are some stories that really stuck with me and I just can't believe that there's so much awful in the world um do you feel like they that it takes a toll on you personally there are there were there were some days when I I'd, I'd heard certain things and I'd been like you know I'd cry myself on the way home but uh it's hard to imagine the amount of, of evil in the world, you know, but when somebody tells you that this is directly happening to them and you have to, you know, be supportive and, and have a, a strong, you know, demeanor. And it's hard to, to keep that face sometimes. Yeah. But it seems like you're, you're really best suited for the job. You just, you have a very nurturing, caring personality, warm hearted personality. So I bet, I bet your patients love you. Thank you. Of course, of course. So in terms of the eating disorder and body dysmorphia, what is one piece of advice that you would give someone currently battling with both of these? Before answering that, though, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. Support for this episode comes from Chicken Bites. Hey, did you know that every serving of Chicken Bites has 17 grams of protein? And did you know that they're made entirely from simple ingredients? Visit www.plantstrengthfoods.com to find out where you can get your pack of Chicken Bites. Use promo code PSR at checkout to save on your order. Chicken Bites, always made from ingredients you can pronounce. Support for this episode comes from Trupo Treats. Brian and Charlie Trupo were on a mission to find the most delectable treat of them all, chocolate. Unfortunately for them, there were very few vegan chocolates on the market. So together, the twin brothers had an epiphany. Why not make our own? So the brothers did just that and launched the Milkless Chocolate Vegan Crunch Bar. 
visit www.tripletreats.com to taste a little bit of cruelty-free heaven. Use promo code PSR at checkout to save on your order. And as an added perk, 25% of all proceeds are donated to animal farm sanctuaries. Triple Treats, helping animals one chocolate bar at a time. All right, guys, and welcome back. So before the break, I asked Stephanie, what is one piece of advice that she'd give to someone currently battling with an eating disorder and body dysmorphia? So without further ado, Stephanie, take take it away. (laughs) That's such a hard question to answer, too. Um, I was trying to think about my answer on the break, but like it's because everybody's different. You know, everybody has different attachments and, and, and traumas that trigger their disorders um, and their, their, their reasons are different and their behaviors are different. So there's no like cookie cutter response. But I mean, the thing that I would tell people is that you're really not the only one with these feelings. You know, there are so many people who struggle and don't say anything and suffer silently and your feelings are, are real. They're real feelings and you're not alone. You know, I would encourage them to seek help, seek somebody positive to talk to um, and guide them because I wish I had done that. You know, the couple of times that I had reached out for therapy, I was denied therapy, um, which made it harder because it made me think that my disorder wasn't real. Uh, so, you know, I would, I would really just try to assure people that they're allowed their feelings and, they can seek help, good help. Yeah, and in eating disorders and body dysmorphia, it's very much real. Mm-hmm. You can speak on that firsthand. And I think that's a really great piece of advice and something that I would add to that too. What really helped me was shifting my perspective. The same reason for why I went vegan is I put, my, I put myself in the perspective of the animal in in, Mm -hmm. in his or her position and and what it would be like to be the victim. And then I almost did the same thing because I was so hard on myself while dealing with the eating disorder and any little subtle change that I saw in my body that made me look like, oh, I gained some weight. I would be so nitpicky and so hard on myself and I would want to go over overtly work out and restrict myself. And then that ultimately led to the continuous negative cycle. And then I thought about it from someone else's perspective, looking at me and they'd be like, wow, he's actually like, you're actually in really good shape. <laughs> it's, it's crazy because, and, and it's, and, and then you think about it, no one else is really thinking this much into it other than you. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, Mm-hmm. because I've even dealt with that with friends who I've, I, I have friends that have, are going through eating disorders and I tell them, they're like, wow, I, I look like I'm, I'm getting fat or I'm gaining weight. I'm like, yeah, you look exactly the same. <laughs> and cause then you look just as good as you did before. I don't see, I really don't see a difference. And most people like 99% of the population is not going to see a difference. It's only you who's seeing yourself in the mirror and being so hard on yourself. So when you kind of search that perspective and then really think, really ask yourself, does this actually really even matter at the end of the day? Even if I gain a couple pounds, does it really matter? Is it worth my unhappiness to continuously doing that to myself? That's what I asked myself. And then I was like, it's not. And I just made a change. Yep, that's that, a great point. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was, that was what really helped me, but I I definitely do agree with you going to seek help 
and recognizing that this isn't it, that is a problem. And if I'm sorry to hear that you were denied denied help at, at first, because if someone denies you that help, go to somebody else because you have every right to feel how you feel. And that happens so often with eating disorders is they're not they're they're classified as a disorder, but people don't really take them seriously because it's like superficial and like, you know, there's always stigma attached to having an eating disorder in a way um, as far as seeking help and people don't really take it seriously. So that was really hard. And I tried to personally not do that, you know, or to think that way. Yeah. So, yeah. Valid. Well, I'm really happy to hear where you're at now. And, and now being a psychotherapist and mental health counselor, if you do have patients that do have eating disorders, you can directly help them and in such a much better way than you would have been able to otherwise, because you've gone through it firsthand. Yeah, that was one of my goals too, as a counselor. Definitely. So let's talk about veganism. So you've been yeah. vegan for six years now and yep. you have two children, both daughters, right? Right. So they're both vegan, yes? Yes, they are. What is it like raising vegan children? You know, in my 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 bubble in my home, so easy. <laughs> like in the outside world, so hard <laughs> because not everybody recognizes veganism or even knows what it is. And I really realized that um, with my kids going to their activities and the birthday parties and school, and I would say, "Oh, they're vegan." And they're like, "Well, they could have pizza, right?" <laughs> or, "Well, they could have." Well, Chocolate. yes, they can just without dairy cheese. Right. But there's like, I think there's, there's a lot of misinformation or lack of knowledge about veganism, which really, uh, it doesn't help me when, with raising my kids. Uh, but at home, you know, when they, it's a free for all and they can have whatever they want, it's so easy. So what are some values that you instill in them and how do they connect with the purpose of being vegan? So my younger daughter, I was pregnant when I went vegan, um, so that's all she's ever known. She's never had meat. She's never had meat. She has never had dairy by my hand. You know, there have been the actual or accidental slips, you know, in family situations. Um, but, you know, all she knows is is soy milk and, you know, she knows what seitan and tempeh are. And she's like, you know, and I tried to teach her to not have the dissonance to like, instead of saying, meat say cow or instead of saying oh they're eating chicken or instead of saying they're eating meat they're eating chicken and she'll say well a real chicken I'll say yeah a real chicken it died you know and I'm just very honest with her um I'm honest with my older daughter too but she has a little bit more of a struggle because she was about seven when I or six six or seven when I, I made the change and she had already known meat dairy and she'd had her likes and her dislikes and I changed all of that on her and I felt a little bit bad um, because she didn't really have a lot of say. Uh, and it was hard getting her on board at first, but there have been a few moments for her that are aha moments. Um, I'll often send her to school with food, vegan food for her to share with her friends and her friends all love it. And they're like, this is awesome, you know? And she feels really cool because like she has the cool new weird thing that everybody loves and like, it makes her like popular for a moment because she's 12 now. She's at that age where that's kind of what it's about. So, yeah, so that's, that helps, you know, for her to be able to, oh, and there was a time she told me that she stood up in her health class and talked about veganism when they were talking about nutrition. 
So, and then she had that, that was a win for her because she knew something other kids didn't know. Uh, so, you know, she has her wins and then she has her moments where she's like, this is really hard. Uh, totally. Can I just be a vegetarian? But you know, she, she's, she's mostly on board now. Awesome. So have you, I actually have a question. Have you ever showed her any footage of the industry? And I ask this because on episode six with David mm-hmm. Rams, he was raised vegetarian. And that is something his mom did when he was young, was show him footage because they would drive by a field and he would say, hey, look, cows. And he was like, oh, you want to actually see what's going to happen to those cows if you buy meat and dairy? And mm-hmm. she would show him. And he said, you'd think it would traumatize a kid, but it actually did the opposite. It made him just really connect with, I don't want this to happen to these, these creatures. Yeah. Because they're, they're just like dogs and cats. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? So I've never shown my girls any videos or films. I'm not necessarily opposed to it, but I know my kids. And I know, especially yeah. my older daughter, she is so sensitive. She right. would cry for a week. <laughs> like we talk about it often. I mean, we do. I'm very upfront with them about what meat is, where dairy comes from, you know, the whole process, eggs. If they ask, I'll tell them whatever they want to know. And then more because that's what I do. Um, but I've never felt a need. I mean, my old, my younger daughter, uh, she likes to like point at people at the grocery store she's like that's a chicken that thing died <laughs> you know like she's very she's very vocal and very yeah high spirited she'd be like that's cow milk we don't eat that. we don't drink that so she being conditioned that way from birth to to subscribe to veganism has been really helpful uh, my older daughter there was a time where i considered showing her some of those videos just to give her like a little bit of a push. That's who I was thinking of too, because she's still at that. Eh, I don't know yet. Maybe she's mostly on board. So I don't feel the need. Um, there are times where I think about it when she asks to be vegetarian instead of vegan, because it's more convenient for her at her age. Uh, How old is she? She's 12. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she's going to sleepovers at friends' houses and they have to like make her special dinners and she feels weird. Um, but Usually we talk and it kind of evens itself out and I don't really need to get that far. Um, so she's, you know, she's, I've never had a need, but I'm not really opposed. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely something I've thought about if I have children someday, if I do, I'll definitely be raising them vegan. And Mm -hmm. I think at a certain age, I will show them that because I believe that everyone has the right to know exactly how their food gets to their place of course gets to their plate of course though you have to do things what you see is fit best for your children as their mom that all depends on the child too because all kids are different and they all everybody processes information differently like if you don't need to you know subject them to something that you know is going to make them upset i don't know maybe i'm yeah maybe i'm a soft parent i don't know but like if (laughs) She's 16 and I'm like, hey, I'm going to watch Seaspiracy. Do you want to watch it with me? And she'll be like, yeah, cool. Well, what? I mean, that's right. totally, it's got to right. be her choice at this age. Right. Um, totally. Totally understand that. So yeah. kind of connecting everything back to the start, what do you want your daughter's relationships with food to be like as they grow older? Because I know that 12, she's 12, that's moving yeah. into those teenage years. And, and that's where you see a lot of girls specifically go through that 
eating disorder period mm-hmm. if they go through that body dysmorphia. So how are you raising them and what are you telling them to create a healthy relationship with food from that's, young age? Yeah, that's one of my biggest like goals too, is to like, especially now she's asked a lot of those questions about why do people diet? Why do people like what you know, she's asked a lot about fat and skinny or she'll like, you know, she'll say things about body image and I'll you know and we I try to be really upfront with her and I, I've told her everything that I've been through I like I'm very honest with my kids um I've told her you know I was overweight I was underweight I made myself really sick because I cared too much about what I was eating um so what I focus on with them is really just doing the right thing for your body uh you know like don't heavily restrict eat foods that make sense you know, move every day, you know, stuff like that. Like if you're doing the right thing for your body and you know it, and you can honestly look at yourself and say, or if I asked her, if you could look at me and say, you're happy with your health, that's all you need to be. You know, like if you're eating right, you know, X amount of fruits and veggies, uh, not too much junk, don't say no to junk. You know, it's, it's good for your soul every once in a while, but you yeah. know, like be smart be, be conscious. So I, I, I really preach consciousness about doing the right thing for your body to keep it, keep it functioning in your favor. You know, say, you know, if she argues with me, well, this person doesn't eat vegetables for dinner. I'll say, are they happy with their health? <laughs> you know, like, and that's kind of my go-to. It's like, focus on the health. Don't focus on the weight. Don't focus on the appearance. Just focus on your in- inside, your inner workings. I love that. That's really, really good advice, especially to be hearing that from a young age. Mm-hmm. and especially on the don't don't restrict yourself that mm-hmm. is huge the more you tell yourself i can't have this specific type of food the more you're going to want that food especially the more that you restrict and the more that you restrict once you eventually cave in and give yourself that type of food that's when it leads to the binging so instead hey you want to have a couple cookies have a couple cookies yeah yeah we do pizza, you want to have some ice cream as long as it's vegan, go ahead that's right. and have it. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and that's and that's how you build a sustainable and healthy relationship with food. I think that's uh, I think it's really great advice that you're giving to your children and and for anyone listening, I think it's really great advice as well. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, like we do desserts. We do desserts only on the weekends. You know, we are allowed like a snack a day. And I say allowed. Allowed's not a great word. It's like we know. That if majority of our food is healthful, then the not as health, healthful things are totally okay. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for sharing everything that you've shared so far. We've got a little bit more to go, but before we continue on, I'd like to take a brief moment to highlight our team member of the week, something we do every episode to show our love and appreciation for our ever-growing family. Hello friends, I am Tyler Rayburn. You can find me at my socials at Sweet Potato Tyler, and I am proud to be this week's Plant Strength Team Member of the Week. For me, being vegan means to reduce the amount of harm and suffering towards animals as far as is practicable and possible as for the definition of veganism. As humans, we expect liberty, we expect freedom, we expect the right to our own bodily autonomy. I feel it's the height of hypocrisy when we 
grant those rights to humans, but we deny them to other sentient beings who are conscious individuals who feel pain and suffer in exactly the same ways that we do. Humans exploit animals to such a degree that it's destroying our environment, causing us pandemics, threatening our health, as well as a host of other human rights issues, including world hunger. Being vegan would indubitably alleviate many of these other externalities, but first we have to address the root cause of the problem, which is speciesism and the way that we view animals in the first place. They deserve the right to their own life, their own bodily autonomy, and a life free from exploitation, just like we do. And that's what it means for me to be vegan. Now it's time for my favorite part of the show, our growth spurts and growing pains segment. So it goes, things changing. I know that though I've got no control, that's just the way that we grow. And no one told me what's ahead on this road. So until I break the for those of you who haven't heard of this segment before, at the end of every show, we ask each guest what a recent growth spurt of theirs is, an accomplishment that they're proud of, as well as a growing pain, something that they're still trying to get better with. Both of these can be health, work, or life related. So with that, we'll start right at the top. Stephanie, what is a recent growth spurt of yours? Well, for me, like I've been, I'm in like perpetually, I'm perpetually in school. So like I'm pursuing my PhD. Um, so I'm trying to do all of the things that I need to do to make that happen. Uh, that is like, there's huge growth there because it's just like, I feel smarter every class that I do. I feel like I feel better. Um, and I feel like I'm accomplishing things. And on top of that, I added, because I need more schoolwork, obviously, I added other classes um, on the side to, uh, I'm actually getting my yoga uh, yoga instructor certification um, because I wanted to use yoga in my trauma groups uh, because I've read a lot of studies about yoga and uh, physical trauma, um, there being a good connection. So I'm doing that too, so I can I can add that into my practice. Wow, congrats. You do so much. <laughs> How much longer until you complete the PhD? Oh my gosh, forever. <laughs> In a perfect world, maybe three years. Yeah, um, it takes a while. It takes a while. I'm, I'm, my dad got his when I was growing up. And I think it took him like about eight years. But I mean, he could only do so much at, at the yeah. time. So it really depends on how fast you're able to go through the schooling. I'm not sprinting at all, but I would like to get to the end eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So on the opposite end, what's a current growing pain, something that you're still trying to get better with? Something that I'm always trying to get better at is communication and consciousness. So being conscious in my daily life, I like to think that I'm pretty good at it, you know, as far as you know, general people go. But, you know, there's always... Like I could always be better. I could always do better. I could always listen better, especially with my kids you know, and you know, in all of my personal relationships to be more gracious and thoughtful. And I just want to ultimately be the best version of myself on every level. I love that. I am so in line with that mindset and that thinking of always trying to be the best that I can be. And even mm -hmm. too on the communication, I... I speak on this all the time. Communication is what makes or breaks any type of relationship, whether it's romantic, friendship, family, professional. If you're not communicating with those people closest to you, 
and actually saying, this is how I feel. This is why I feel this way. Explaining mm -hmm. to them how they could have made you feel on a certain topic or why you're feeling some type of way about anything. If you can't expect somebody to be a mind reader. Mm -hmm. And if you avoid those awkward, quote unquote, awkward conversations in the short term, it's just going to lead to a falling out in the long term. Push through that up front, communicate, and it's going to make life so much better. And, and the other thing, too, I connect with you on is that talk less, listen more. That's something I've really been putting into practice consistently for the last, I, I would say that the last like year, two years, just really focusing on I'm going to listen more and mm -hmm. then talk. And that's really helped a whole lot in being better with communicating. That's a skill, actually. That's a skill. Like I took classes on how to do that to be a therapist. Like that is a skill. It, so, it's yeah, it's, it's mindfulness is. awareness. It's, it it's yeah, it totally is. It's just constantly reminding yourself, hey, you know what? Pause for a second. Yeah, Let me hear what hard. that person has to say. That's really hard to do, to do unprompted. Totally. So but for that. Yeah. I mean, as with anything, I just always say that if you want something, go get it. The only thing holding you back is yourself. So you have to hold yourself accountable and whatever ways help you in giving yourself little reminders. Maybe it's even putting a, a note down in your phone or a reminder mm -hmm. in your phone or wearing a rubber band, a rubber band around your wrist. And every time you're, you do something that you don't want to do to break a habit, just give yourself a little snap on the wrist just to remind yeah. yourself, whatever you need to do, do that. And, and, it, and it'll come with time. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. Yeah, but yeah, this has been such an awesome episode. I, I think there was so much that people can take away from this, especially those dealing with mental health disorders, specifically on the eating disorder and body dysmorphia. I think you gave really great advice and just people hearing your story, I think they'll be able to resonate with it and, and to learn and grow from that. No, I'm glad I'll take every opportunity to talk about it because it should be talked about more, I think. So, totally. I yeah, totally agree with space. you. Yes, of course. So before we wrap things up, can you please tell everyone where to find you online? So I am exclusively on Instagram and like not even very much these days, but, um, you know, life gets really busy, but yeah, I have my, uh, my handle is Stephanie Ann underscore Sage. That's the only place you'll find me anywhere else. Don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So you heard it first. So if you'd like, go ahead and give Stephanie a follow. Is your account private or public? It's public. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Yep. So you guys will be able to look her up, go give her a follow. And if anyone has questions about eating disorders, body dysmorphia, mental health, they can reach out to you. Yes. Oh yeah. I'm always, I'm always happy to talk about anything, mental health, veganism, anything. So definitely don't hesitate to, to shoot me a message. Awesome. You guys heard it first. So give her a follow, give her a follow and shoot her a message if you need help. Again, I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. I very much did. And as always, until the next one, I'm your host, Bobby Lynch, and this is Plant Strength Radio. Plant Strength Radio is hosted by Bobby Lynch, produced and edited by Kiwan Harrison. Original theme music by Alex Brinkley and Tyson Bryce. If you would like to hear more podcasts like this, please like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts can be streamed. To learn more about Plant Strength, the company behind this podcast, please visit www.plantstrengthperformance.com or follow us on social media at Plant Strength Performance. Plant Strength, sustainability for mind, body, 
soul, and the environment. Thank you for listening.